the FT. Puerto Rico has been called America's Greece because of the ruinous scale of its debt, $73 billion by most estimates. This week, the US territory managed to avoid default by putting together an enormous payment to its creditors. But how much longer can it keep going? I'm Leif Arbuthnot, and with me on the line to explain is our US markets editor, Robin Wigglesworth. Hi, Robin. Could you just explain first why Puerto Rico is in debt? Well, the problem that started a long time ago is often is the case in debt crises. Puerto Rico used to have lots of military bases and used to benefit from a tax break. That meant that U.S. companies could base manufacturing sites there. But the military bases were closed some time ago, and then these tax breaks expired. And since then, basically, Puerto Rico has been in recession since well, 2005, 2006. Rather than tightening its belt, it's just kept borrowing and trying to get the economy going. But unfortunately, it's just failed and the debts have kept growing even as the economy keeps contracting. How bad is the crisis? It's very bad. It's certainly pretty horrific if you're a Puerto Rican to the point where the population has been contracting for quite some time and there just aren't jobs there, the benefits aren't there. So if you have a chance to get a job on the mainland US, you just go there. You're a US citizen if you're a Puerto Rican, so it's very easy to move. And the opportunities just aren't there on the island. And now it's coming to a crunch, the combination of a sliding economy, a contracting population and over $70 billion worth of debt just means the country's completely bankrupt and now they're going to have to try and wipe the slate clean and start rebuilding. So who is it that actually owns Puerto Rico's debt? Well, this is one of the reasons why it's going to be such a messy situation. Puerto Rican debts is such a hodgepodge of different types of bonds and loans. There's Puerto Rican government, there's all sorts of Puerto Rican government arms like the electricity utility and sewage utility and an infrastructure investment bank. They all owe a lot of money who owes it depends on where you are. There's one big group of hedge funds that had been trying to talk to Puerto Rico about negotiating some sort of financing deal to tide it over. They, of course, demanded extremely high interest rates as compensation for the risk they were taking. And clearly, Puerto Rico thought that it might as well bite the bullet eventually. Some of the debts are owned locally by ordinary Puerto Ricans. That's going to be a tough one for them. But a lot of it's held by the U.S. municipal bond market huge three four trillion dollar market where used municipalities and states and education boards borrow money it's typically seen as a very safe area so there's lots of u.s retail investors piled into it especially puerto rico because all its debts were exempt from federal state and city taxes so it had a huge advantage over many other parts and that's one of the reasons why it was allowed to borrow just quite so much before running out of runaway So it sounds like American investors have a fair amount of exposure. Is that the same for foreign investors or is it just the Americans who are vulnerable? It is mostly American investors and American hedge funds. So I'm sure there are some foreign investors that have come into some of these debts just attracted by the very high yields. I mean, this is a world where even Rwanda bonds yield 6% and Puerto Rican bonds have been yielding 10% for some time now. So that's obviously very attractive. But this is primarily a US mess that they have to sort out. Puerto Rico is pushing Congress currently to allow it to declare bankruptcy. Do you think that's a viable option for the island? It would be great if it could. There are some complications. Puerto Rico is a bit of an odd beast, given that it's not really a US state. It's formally known as a US territory. But in practice, it's almost a state. 
Now, states themselves do not have access to what is known as Chapter 9 bankruptcy, which is a court-mandated bankruptcy regime that allows municipalities to restructure. Puerto Rico is not a state itself, so the government itself cannot avail itself of this. And its municipalities and state entities cannot use this court either. They've been trying this for a while, and this is clearly the main strategy now, is to try and get U.S. Congress to pass a law that allows Puerto Rico and all the Puerto Rican entities to use Chapter 9 in the U.S. to try and get a semi-organized, judge-supervised restructuring across all its debts. The problem is a lot of Republicans feel that this is tantamount to a bailout of Puerto Rico and want it to just sit down and negotiate with creditors and pay credits in full, completely ignoring, frankly, the economic realities that Puerto Rico just doesn't have enough money to do that. Investors have been drawn, you said, to Puerto Rico partly because of the high-risk nature of its bonds. That's also why a lot of investors found Greece so appealing. Do you think it's fair to refer to Puerto Rico as America's Greece? Yes, I think so. Like with everything, there are, there are parallels and differences. Many of the differences are actually also very interesting in that we're talking about Greece leaving the Eurozone because it can't pay its debts, it's in such a mess and so on. Nobody's talking about Puerto Rico leaving the dollar, which just highlights just how much more of a durable currency union the dollar is. Obviously, it's been around for a lot longer than Euro. But in scale of the pain that the population is going through, I mean, Greece has had a punishing five years now and probably is facing quite a few more years of pain. Puerto Rico has been in recession for almost a decade and the economy hasn't really been growing for almost two decades. So there it's been a slow water drip torture really for the economy (laughs) and probably now going to have a really painful, chaotic, disorderly default that is going to make it slightly more Greek-like unfortunately. So who suffers, really, if Puerto Rico doesn't pay back what it owes? You've talked a little bit about ordinary Puerto Ricans. Do you think they're going to feel the brunt of this situation? Well, they've already felt a lot of pain. There's already been a fairly draconian austerity programme, which, frankly, maybe was needed. But the feeling from the government is that they've reached the limit to how much pain they can impose on ordinary Puerto Ricans. They're going to be imposing a little bit more, but they think you get to the point where more austerity, more cutbacks, more tax increases just means people leave the country and they don't come back. And that makes the problem even worse. So they probably just can't take anymore, do anymore on that side. So that is why they've now decided they need to restructure their debts. Frankly, it's going to be a tough time for ordinary Puerto Ricans, but it seems the government has reached a limit to what it's willing to impose on its citizens. Apart from that, you know, a lot of the losers here are going to be people that either lent money to Puerto Rico many years ago and are still stuck and they haven't sold their holdings. That's a lot of municipal bond funds. It's ordinary savers in the U.S. There are some funds in particular that are very exposed to Puerto Rico, maybe thought that these yields were just too tempting to ignore. Those are hedge funds that went in later, but still maybe miscalculated on just how far Puerto Rico would go and have been just a year ago lent Puerto Rico another $3.5 billion and we're in talks to lend them even more to tie them over until this weekend when the government said it's going to have to restructure its debts. So they are now fuming and seeking legal opinions on what the next step is. I suspect this is going to end up in the courtrooms for years to come. So what's next for the island? What's on the agenda? How are they going to go about restructuring and putting money back into the pockets of Puerto Ricans? So one thing, they are doing this restructuring. So, so far, they've already made quite 
some big chunky debt payments. Even though they said that all the debts are unpayable, they've actually decided to pay some of the debts that came due now because they don't want an immediate default. They want to give them some breathing room to sit down with creditors and with various stakeholders on the island and outside to find out what they're going to do. So they set up a working group to discuss what comes next, how are we going to restructure, how is this going to work, and a five-year plan for the economy. That's going to report by the end of August. So the assumption is that Puerto Rico will keep servicing its debts until then. And then after that, there will be some sort of debt moratorium and restructuring. And hopefully by then, maybe they have some more clarity on whether they can use Chapter 9. The problem is that Puerto Rico just owes so much money. And it has not been great at collecting taxes. Payments are coming thick and fast in July and August. And it's questionable whether they frankly can stay current on all its obligations, even until this working group delivers its report. So unfortunately, it's heading towards a sort of a messy, sad outcome for Puerto Rico. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might like our new show, FT Investigations, Exposés and In-Depth Analysis by our worldwide network of reporters. The show's broadcast whenever we have a new groundbreaking investigation. You can download it at ft.com slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.